to the KC City Church Audio Podcast. We pray you enjoy this following sermon. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our midst, for what you're stirring in our midst. Lord, we respond today to you. Lord, though it may seem difficult to understand what is happening in and around us, Lord, we seek at this stage not to understand but to simply obey. We seek to turn to you. Turn your eyes to Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. Bless you, Jesus. You know, there are so many things to talk about uh, what, is, what is happening at this... Oh, no wonder. What is happening at this stage. Um, but I think many of us, if not all of us here, would probably have received just emails from different ones, WhatsApp messages, Facebook, and so on and so forth. Uh, and it... We could be quite wide. We could be quite widely read. And as was told earlier, the eldership met. Uh, I'm yesterday. I'm I'm actually wanting to call for um, for another meeting today, just right after after service. Uh, we've still got lunch, um, but we've got gloves <laughs> to serve you lunch. And we still feel. We still, we still feel committed and convicted to continue with communion. Uh, and those who are, uh, the ones who actually um, handle our communion are Harvey and Maurice. And uh, we're going to make sure that they have gloves. And if necessary, even, you know, a, a, a mask and all of that. Not because they are carriers or not because we are carriers, but because... We want you to know that we are also taking responsibility. There's certain social responsibility that we want you to know. So you don't come in here feeling worried or concerned. And the way we will then distribute the emblems is not you collecting it, but we'll have ushers with gloves who will hand you the emblems. Right? Or the other is we will look into buying um, emblems that have already been made. You know, and it comes in a little plastic container and you can peel off the wrapper and stuff like that. So we can look into, we can look into that. But for the moment, we are taking every precautionary step to do that. And as Brian said, we can't stop you from hugging someone or shaking someone's hands. But we as leaders, we as ushers, we will not be shaking your hands. And we will probably not hug you. But when everyone leaves, I'll still hug my wife. So I think that should be okay, right? Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You know, and it's weird for us. It's, it's, it's difficult for us to try and, you know, it's, it's so difficult. Like this morning when I came in, I'm looking at the ashes and I'm thinking, man, do they think I'm unfriendly? Do I think they are unfriendly? Do we? You know, we're, we're having to deal with unnecessary emotions at this point, right? 
But let's rest assured, we all love you. You all love us. We all love one another. We're a tight-knit community. We're a community of faith. We're a community that also wants to... Um, ensure that we are practicing social responsibility. So when visitors come, when, when others come, they feel comfortable. They know that, hey, we're not just being negligent. We're not just uh, saying, ah, oh, we'll just go by faith, which we are. That's right. Even if we're not shaking hands, even if we're not hugging, it still requires a whole lot of faith, my friends, right? A whole lot of faith to stop believing what media tends to exaggerate and, and begin to promote. Right, So that's something that we've got to continue to persist. And that's why God, the Lord says, what an interesting Sunday to fall on. I am the door. Because there's a door that is open to us and we've got to walk through that door. What door are we going to walk through? There are two doors, which is my, actually my conclusion. But I'll start with that. There are two doors. It's a door of opportunity or it's the door of fear. What door are we going to be stepping into? Do we want to step into the door of opportunity or do we want to step into the door of fear and allow fear to begin to grip our hearts, right? Uh, uh, a, a new show called, this is years ago, so it's, 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 uh, it's not as new now, but a show called Let's Make a Deal. Contestants could win prizes concealed behind one of the three doors. People were fascinated by the possibilities that awaited them behind those three doors. They could pick the right door and win wonderful prizes or wrong door and win something not so wonderful. It was a gamble. But for years, people took it. They flopped to the show in hopes of having the change of, no, sorry, the chance to pick the right door and win big. Life is full of choices, amen? amen? And doors and choosing the right door is important. But we don't have to guess and hope we picked the right door. Right. Oh, why is that so? This is not a trick question. <laughs> and I'm going to give you the answer. Because I already started with that. Because I am the door. Because he's the door. Why? Right? But why don't, why we don't have to guess and hope that we pick the right door is because Jesus says that I am the doors. Say it with me. I am the door. This is what Jesus is saying. Hallelujah. And there was a woman by the name of Rita McLean. And this is out in Newsweek. And she's what you call a new spirituality seeker or spiritualist. And her spiritual journey began where she grew up in a fundamentalist Pentecostal church. I don't know how many of you have come from a fundamentalist Pentecostal church. I'm not asking you to raise your hands at all. But I wonder if there's anyone here that's come from that. And what she remembers most about the time are those tent meetings and the fiery preachers who made her feel guilt, guilty. As she grew older, she had rejected all organized religion and left the traditional Pentecostal church. For the next 18 years, she sought inner peace only through rock climbing in the mountain or hiking in the desert. After an emotionally draining divorce, she started looking inward. She started with unity, a metaphysical church, 
then Native American spiritual practices. After that, it was Buddhism, where she attended a retreat that required eight days of silence. These experiences, maybe that's why, I think Beatles got that song, Eight Days a Week, isn't it? Yeah, so maybe that's why they got the song, Eight Days a Week. These experiences melded into a personal religion, which she now, as a 50-year-old nurse, celebrates at an altar in her home. And this is what she has. Her altar consists of an angel statue, a small bottle of sacred water, blessed at a woman's vigil, a crystal ball, a pyramid, a small brass image of Buddha, a consecrated candle, a Hebrew prayer, a tiny Native American basket from the 1850s, and a picture of her most sacred place, a madrone tree near her home. If you realize the Old Testament, the prophets were instructed to remove all of those shrines that surrounded those trees, the worship of Baal. Now, these, now millions of, you find within the Western world, have embarked on a search for the sacred in their lives without finding the answer that they are looking for. Not going through this door, but searching and searching and searching. But she's got in her altar every foreseeable aspect that if one is not right, she is covered. This is her insurance policy or her afterlife policy. Some of us may find it amusing but deep down inside, it saddens my heart to see that. And you know, if we can come to the place of not finding it amusing, but be saddened by it, we've arrived at a place where the compassion of Christ begins to overwhelm us. Gone should be the days where the church should be laughing at things like this. Because we used to. Not because we wanted to. I think we were just maybe ignorant, maybe not as compassionate, maybe not having heard what the world thinks about this pride that sometimes persists within the environment of the church that causes us to think that we are better than everyone else. But when we are asked, do you think we believe that? No, sorry, we don't. How do we flaunt our righteousness? How do we, and I use the word flaunt at times because that's how it comes across. How do we share the belief that Jesus is, is all of that, but he is all of this, that he loves you. He died for you. That his mercy will prevail. So when he says that, that there is this door that he wants us to come through, We'll look, at some, we'll look at the context of this. We'll go into chapter 9, we'll look at chapter 10, and I'll just give you a little bit of, a, of, 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 this, of this background. Right? Augustine 
one of our early church fathers in the 480 said this, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they, f- until they can find rest in you. And that's why a search can continue and continue to go. But until someone really finds that this Jesus, that's when our heart will really rest. Because otherwise we will try so many, so many different things. So God, is, God has made us for relationship with him, but sin ruined it. Amen? So the only way for a person to restore that relationship is to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, died for their sins, died on the cross, obviously died for their sins, and that they are forgiven. So Jesus said that I am the door. I am the door. Jesus said, I am the door (laughs) that leads to a real relationship with God. So, anyway, that's in John chapter 10. Now, remember the context of every one of these I am statements that, that were made. That the I am statements are crucial for us to understand. Because in John chapter 9, we see that Jesus had healed the blind beggar. Right? Jesus had healed the, the blind... The blind uh, the, the, Jesus had healed the blind beggar. It should be in my... PowerPoint slides, if it's not just put it in there. Thank you. <laughs> Remember the context of that the I am statements is crucial for us to understand in John chapter 9. We see this blind beggar, right? So the Jewish leaders now were infuriated because Jesus, what did Jesus do? He healed the man on the Sabbath. So the Pharisees kicked this blind beggar out of the synagogue in response, Jesus basically calls the religious leaders, what do you think? That they are blind. He says that they are blind, then begins to tell the parable of the good shepherd in contrast to the blind guides. So who were the religious leaders of that day? Right? So let me read this in John chapter 10. From verse 7, it says, Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find, and, and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Amen. So Jesus said that, Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door of the sheep. So, let me give you a, 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 little bit, a little bit more of this background. Now, he had spoken prior to that in chapters before about light and darkness. 
he spoke about bread, meaning he's the existence, the bread of, exi- the bread of existence. And now he's suddenly ch- he's changing this, he's changing the narrative here, and, and he's bringing this image of the shepherd and, and sheep. And why? Because within the Jewish mind, a shepherd was any kind of leader, whether he's political or whether he is spiritual. So Jesus here now speaks of a sheepfold. He says that the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. The sheep follow him for they know his voice. And you know, I shared with you the circumstance of us selling our home and uh, that came to a point where we were wondering, Lord, should we, should we not, should we sell this, should we not? And then the Lord, uh, the, the Lord released uh, a passage of scripture and said, read Romans 8.25. And in it, it said this, that if you are hoping for something that you are yet to receive, wait patiently and confidently. And so we waited. We waited a few days. And after that, things began to fall in place. And one of the things that my wife had, had said that it would be great if whoever buys this would allow us to live there until the house is built. And we found out a few days ago that the new owner is willing for us to stay until the house is built. And his reason or their reasons are this. We don't want them to move to a rental property and then into their new home. Imagine that. Praise the Lord. And we were praying that they would be Christians. And I think I did share that and that they were believers because we planted the church out of our home. And so things began to fall in place as we began to hear the shepherd and put this before the shepherd, hear his voice, and then begin to move step by step. Otherwise, we would have to move in a couple of weeks with all of these things happening right now. Imagine that. So God sees. He sees way ahead of us. And we've just got to trust more. We've got to continue to love more, right? And, and another thing, I, 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 I have to say this because you might, but when I share this, you might think, man, these guys are reading, are reading too many, are reading into too many things. Doesn't matter. Praise God. Because that's how I think we are, we're wired or I'm Good. wired. Good. And that's how God speaks to us. He'll speak to you in the way you're wired. That's right. Right? So a few days ago, I told Chris, I said, you know what? If we trust more, we love more. And we, remember, the foundation is living in the spirit of? Expectancy, that's right. Living in the spirit of expectancy, say it with me. Trust more. Trust more. Love, more. Love more. In the spirit of expectancy. The spirit of expectancy. So then the Lord said this. If you trust more and if you love more, you will see more. That's it. That's right? It. You will see so much more. Am I right? You trust more if I trust more. Because now we're starting to see more. Come on. And he knows where I'm going. <laughs> We went through four builders. We started with the first and we ended up with the first is now the last. The first shall become the last. Oh, wow. Oh, the last shall become the first. Okay. (laughs) Praise God. And 
After going through that, and when the Lord said this, trust more, love more, and you'll see more. And then I, I told Chris, I said, oh my goodness me. Our builder, it's Seymour. The builder's name is Seymour. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh my goodness me. So, so this, this whole journey is about God building in us an infrastructure to bear what he wants to lay before you. So God is wanting to build into your life, into my life, into all of us something. And, and for us, he's using this whole journey to teach us, get out of the boat once again. Don't build a cruise ship. You know, stop building this cruise ship. Don't go on cruises right now. I'm not telling you guys not to go, but for us, we got to get on this boat and just begin to sail this. And when, you know, the waves come, like what is happening right now? You know, we got to trust. We got to love him more. We got to trust him more. And we're going to see way beyond the waves, way beyond the fog, way beyond all of that, that we will begin to see what he's building within our lives. Within our lives. I mean, so, you know, God uses all these different things to begin to just speak to us, right? But as Jesus identifies those who belong to God as his sheep and himself as the good shepherd, he also realizes that sheep are vulnerable, right? They're vulnerable animals. So he uses that analogy here. Now, they don't have any natural defenses of their own. For them, there is safety in numbers. Sheep have flock mentality, preferring to hang out in groups and sometimes follow one another into trouble. Right? <laughs> Doesn't that happen? Shepherds were eating breakfast outside a small town in Turkey. And they were surprised to see a lone sheep jump off a nearby cliff and fall to its death. They were stunned, however, when the rest of the nearly 1,500 sheep in the herd followed, each leaping off the same cliff. When it was all over, the local newspaper reported that 450 of the sheep perished in a billowy white pile. Those that jumped off from the middle of the herd and the end were saved as the pile became higher and the fall was cushioned by the wool of all the other sheep. The estimated loss of the families tops 100,000 an extremely significant amount of money in a country where the average person earns 2700 annually. There's nothing we can do. They all wasted, said a member of one of the 26 families whose sheep were grazing together in the, in the herd. In the absence of the shepherd, the sheep wandered in the wrong direction and it cost them their lives. Sheep shouldn't pick their own direction. The good shepherd leads them to safe pastures. That's right. He leads us in Psalm 23 into green pastures 
and he causes us to lie down in green pastures. And you know what that's an indication of? Satisfaction. Because after I've eaten, it's still green. And so then I rest in that place where I am contented. So he leads us into places of of contentment. That's where God wants to lead you and I. And if we are not contented, if there's no contentment, allow him to lead you. Allow him to lead you. I'm... So in, I'll, I'll give you this background, share with you a couple of verses. I'm going to show you two slides, and, and, and we're going to pray. Amen? In Israel, when a shepherd took his sheep away from the town into the hillside, so when, when Jesus now is speaking to them, when he, and as he gives them this analogy, He's talking about the sheep and the sheep, sheepfold. In a sense, the church is actually the sheepfold. Right. So as sheep, we come into the sheepfold. This is our sheepfold. This is where we feel safe and secure. Yeah. Right? So being part of a local church is imperative. It's an important thing to be part of a community of, of, of faith. So he tells them this. He gives them this picture. And... and into into the sheep into the sheepfold because he understands that this is this is the mindset this is what they they know so when a shepherd would take sheep and go away into a distance into the desert now the desert isn't like the desert we think it's it's arid it's dry but there's little bits of pieces i mean little bits of grass here and there so he takes them there and when they're there there's no time to bring them back on that day so they have to camp there. So when they camp there, what they do is this. They grab stones and they grab certain things and they create a sheepfold. You know? Thank you. They create a sheepfold like this. And so there is one here. Thank you. And, and so they, they create a sheepfold. And that's good enough. And then there is, there is a door. This is the opening. So the sheep goes in and out through here. And so when the Lord says that I am the door, I'm the good shepherd, you go through this door. This is what the shepherd does. The shepherd then lies down here at night. (laughs) And he lies down this way. And this is where he sleeps. He's the door. So Jesus is this door. And the only way for the sheep to go in and out is to go over him. And the only way for the wolves to get in is over the shepherd. And so that's the way that the shepherd actually really protects his sheep. So when you look at that picture, the context is this, as he begins to share. There is a context that he's giving them this, that I am that door, that wherever I take you to, Wherever I move you to in your journey, from Brazil to Australia, I am your door. Hallelujah. From Malaysia to Australia, I am your door. From South Africa to Australia, I am your door. From Sri Lanka to Australia, I am your door. From Mauritius to uh, Australia, I am your door. 
from uh, South Sudan to Australia, I am your door. For those who I have not named, he is still your door. So please don't get offended. From Australia to Australia, he is still your door. Hallelujah. From Perth to Melbourne, he is still your door. From Adelaide to, to Melbourne, he is still your door. He is your door. Only he will allow what needs to go in and what needs to come out. So in 1992, we received a prophetic word. When we went, when we went Bible college on, a, on our graduation that year, and uh, I, was, I was searching for it because I remembered a, a word there. And you know, in those days, there were no iPhones to record, 1992. And guess what? It was on a cassette. So I take the cassette to one cassette player that I have in my house, and I put the cassette in. Doesn't work. The belt in the cassette player has gone kaput because it's so old. So that aspect, so I could not remember everything within it, but I remember this. I will close doors that were open to you, and I'll open those, that's right, and I will open those that were closed to you. I, was tr- I really wanted to get the exact phrase, but I think it's something along these lines. I will close doors that were close to you and I'll open doors that were open to you. And so we were, I was given a, a job to go back to the church that I was part of to be the music director in this very, very large church. And I had a two-year contract. So we left, uh, we were about to leave and I found out a month before that, oops, the job was given away to someone else. And my wife was pregnant with my oldest. And we were thinking, oh dear, we've got nothing. And we're going back to nothing. So what do we do? And one of our elders, who was our lecturer there in the States, said this, Larry, you can do one of two things. Either you go there and you just submit. Or you go and you fight for it. So I had to make a choice. Now, obviously, he was trying to encourage me to submit, and which we did. We submitted. And the Lord said, you are to volunteer for two years in that church and find a job somewhere else. But I said, this is, this is, this is not right. It's not me that said that I don't want to work for them. It's them. They have closed the door. So I had the choice of getting angry, upset, frustrated, annoyed, blaming God, blaming them, blaming everyone else. But miracle after miracle happened. The Lord began to provide for us in so many ways. We began to teach aspects of worship, and we ran a business. There, it was a uh, no. Uh, when you go around speaking, and what's that? We I, I, was an itinerant. We were itinerants, and we had a, a ministry called Cornerstone, and uh, I was given dealership from some music companies and all of that, and we began to earn really, really well. And there were seven different opportunities for me to work in seven different churches as a youth and music pastor. But through those two years, I had to say no to all of those seven and rely on faith to trust God to provide. Why? Because the Lord was saying this, you made a commitment 
you stick to it. What's hard? But we began to experience the miracle working of God. I was walking one day with $16,000 cash in my pocket that someone had given me to go and buy some music equipment for our ministry. I can rattle away things over that time that just mind boggled. Do you think I continue to trust the Lord? Not always. I still became anxious. I still was this and I still was that. Why? Because God takes us not just through one door. It's like get smart. You go through one door, then there's another, 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 and just opens up like that. And that's what it is. So God is saying, you better get smart because I'm going to open up doors for you. You walk through that, there's another door that's going to be open. There's another door that's going to be open. There's another door that's, that's going to be open. Right? So he says, this is the door now. That as you walk in through this door, you will begin to encounter. There are three aspects here that he says in verse 7, uh, verse seven 8, and 9. And, and, and verse 10 says this, that I've come to give you life and life abundantly. At the end of the day, he says, he comes to give us life and life abundantly. So Jesus again said to them, truly I say to you, I am that door. If you don't recognize that we are that door, and that all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Now, he's not making reference to the prophets and all of them that came when you read that verse. What he's saying is this, that everyone that has come before me, and then in verse 9 he says, I am, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Now, he's making reference to these guys who are now starting to teach them everything outside of Scripture alone. And they are adding this law. They're adding that law. They're adding everything into, in, in, into the whole scheme of what is being taught. So when the Pentateuch, the five books of the Bible were taught, that they believe that. But they come now and they begin to add. They begin to add. They begin to add. Now, how many of us have experienced these sorts of things that when we believe Jesus, we feel there are additional aspects that are being added into that mix to confuse our relationship and to confuse our walk. So we become stunted. There is a cap that is put over us. There is a belief system that we begin to derive because we feel that Oh, maybe just trusting God alone is not good enough. We need additional aspects. Let's pull this here. Let's pull that there. Let's pull this here. You know, these sorts of things. But the Lord is saying just my pure word is good enough. My pure word is good enough. In Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Uh, uh, sorry. In, uh, John, the, in John chapter 6 verse 
47 to 48, thank you. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. He says that. The next, the next one, Acts chapter 4, verse 12, he says, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So Jesus exhorts all who desire salvation to come to him. Right. And, and that's what he's telling them. Because there is this new aspect that is available to them and they don't know anything about it. So friends, when we, when we talk about the series, Reintroducing Jesus, I want us to think that, what is it that, uh, that, that, that we need at this point in our journey? What is it that we're facing at, at this point that is causing us to retreat and move away from that door? That's what we need to ask. And he's saying, now come. Come, come into the sheepfold. Come into this place, right? So the, these deceivers were continuing to deceive. Now I want to say this, that there, there was, in, in Acts chapter 5, verse 36 to 7, there were two characters. Theodos, he rose up claiming to be somebody, and he was killed. And after him, Judas the Galilean rose up and drew away some people after him. And he too perished. So all these individuals, they began to come thinking and teaching them things that were in error. Right? The Pharisees, they had strict rules over and above the Old Testament law. Now, it even included this. <laughs> this is bizarre. How far you could walk on the Sabbath, which was less than three quarters of a mile how much weight you were able to carry. They also had rules for every aspect of life to be accepted by God. And in Matthew 23, verse 4, they, the, the word of the Lord says this, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. So, how do we apply this even, even within our context? There are so many different movements that we've had through Christendom. That is said, if you do this, you'll get that. You know, if, if, you, if you pray more, this is what will happen. If you give more, this is what will happen. Now, of course, all of, that is, all of that is true. But what's the motivation? Are we motivated by fear? Like what is happening right now? Or are we being motivated by faith? What is the motivation? That is a key, key question, friends, as we begin to ask ourselves. And, and in verse 9, when he says about salvation, he's talking about three different aspects in salvation. Salvation, which you are saved and you will be saved. Right? The other aspect is your security, that we find that we are secure in, in him. Because as believers, he's forgiven us of our sins. He's cleansed it. He's, he's, he's broken. Just, just look here. He's, he's broken the very, the, the very impact of sin over our lives. Right? And finally, there is the sense of satisfaction. Can we... Be or are we truly satisfied 
in our relationship with Jesus, with Christ. Where are we in that journey from one to ten? The sense of satisfaction. Can we go to the last two slides? Probably with the door, yes. And I, I want to show you two doors. In, in, our, in, our own, in our own journey. Uh, that's, show me that's okay for, for a second. This is a wall. And in this wall, there's a door. When the door closes, you will never know that, that there is a door. You know, so many of us, we come to a place in our life where we face this wall. And when we hit the wall, what do we do? We turn around and we go back. We try to scale the wall. We try to go around the wall. We try and bring a sledgehammer and break the wall down. We try so many things, but the Lord is saying, there is a door in that space that you can walk right through. And that's what the Lord is doing at this point. He's saying this to all of us. With everything that is happening, you and I may come to this wall and fear may grip us so much that he's saying, hang on. Hang on, there is a door right here. And I want to open it for you. I want to open this door for you. But are you willing? Are you willing to wait there enough? Abraham was willing. Isaac, that little Isaac that we have, he's a reminder of what Abraham did. The Lord instructed Abraham Take Isaac and sacrifice him. And you know, what they, you know what Abraham said? And in Hebrews it says this, that he believed that even if he had to be sacrificed, God will raise him up. So Abraham went through that wall of obedience because through the wall, something happens in our lives we begin to allow our will to be aligned with God's will. That is what begins to happen. And as we introduce the series, Reintroducing Jesus, we want to bring you to that place of get to know this Jesus who will take you through one door into the next and into the next and into the next. Are you caught between two doors? There is a door of opportunity. Right? Let me end with this slide. This is a door in Tasmania. It's three U or horseshoe. I want to put it to you this way. The U is you. Right? The U is you. Now, we as a church, we have three C's, KC City Church, am I right? So if you invert it, you will see that. 
KC City Church. But if you shift it the other way, it's, it's a you. So KC City Church, there's a door before you. Are you and I willing to walk through that door into this community to see what's going to happen to this community? But you know that you tells you and I this. Will you be that person that will turn the tide around? Will you be that person that will shift and create that change? You can still remain in front of the door and you can look at the door till the cows come home. And the door will still be there. But he says, if you're willing to walk through that, that's going to happen. So friends, let's stand. And I want you to picture today. Two doors. The door of fear is that wall. And in that wall, there is an opening. The door of opportunity are those three horseshoe-looking symbols that look like a U. But the Lord is saying, that's your opportunity. So what are you going to go through? Just take a minute. Friends, it is not going to take long because I know there has already been a stirring in your hearts this morning. God has already begun to stir so much in you and I. So all you and I need to do right now is respond. And as you've heard me share this weeks before, we're encouraging you, where you are, to begin to reach unto God. Not necessarily feel that someone needs to come and lay hands on you and pray. And feel that that's the only way that something is going to happen. No. As we reintroduce Christ to you, we want to reaffirm the authority that is in you. That the Lord says in Ephesians 3.20, I'm able to do abundantly above all that you can think or even ask for according to the power that is at work within you. So he's come to give you life and life abundantly. What door is this? Please begin to respond right now in Jesus' name.